Welcome to Beyond the Call, brought to you by Start Church. We hope you enjoy the upcoming podcast and hope this time is empowering, inspiring, and helpful as you pursue the dream God has put in your heart. The participants of this podcast are not attorneys, and this recording is not to be considered legal advice. Please contact your local attorney's office where needed. Enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to Beyond the Call, the podcast in which we talk about topics that churches, ministries, and church planners love to talk about and about what God has called them to lead. On this episode, we invite you to listen in on our conversation with our special guest, Pastor Sean Lovejoy. Now, Sean is the founder and CEO of CourageToLead.com, where he is facilitating growth and organizational health for leaders all around the world. Now, the audio you're about to hear is from our Zoom conversation with Sean, so it may be a little fuzzy in parts, but we hope that you enjoy the conversation and the wisdom that Sean was so generous enough to share. So without any further ado, here's our chat with Pastor Sean Lovejoy. Pastor, thanks so much for being here with us. Hey, great to be with you, man. Love being part of your journey. Man, it, I, so I've known you for a while now, watched your growth as well and, and what God's done in you. And you're one of those pastors that I think inspires other pastors. I know for me personally, uh, just knowing you for a couple of years, I'd love to just get your story uh, on some video here. I know it'll encourage others. Could we re- rewind the tape just a little bit? Talk to me how you came to faith uh, in Christ. Yeah, so my mother led me to Christ. It's funny, as of the day of this recording, um, today marks the anniversary of my mother's birth and her death. No she way. passed away on her 40th birthday. In 1987, September the 6th, we're recording this today. I should know. Led me to Christ uh, on the side of my bed and told me when I was seven that she knew. She said, Sean, she said, you're a leader and wow. people follow you. Wow. She said, you're either going to use that for bad or really good. And of wow. course, I've done both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, but it, life it, you. That's amazing. it creates this urgency in you when you when, when when you when your parent dies at a young age. I was sixteen. Wow, creates this realization that we're all not promised to live till we were a hundred years old. Yeah, sure. So I've always wanted my life to count. I've now I'm forty eight, and I've outlived my mother by eight years. Yeah, yeah. But it creates a sense. So, so I, I I do think I'm marked by that in a very positive way. Yeah. I don't even want to forget this day because. Yeah. It actually reminds me that life is brief and we've got a job to do and eternity wow. in the balance. Yeah. You know, but I, but I, I came out of you know college, did not want to go into vocational ministry. It was nowhere in my mind. Started in the real estate business. I was making a six-figure income in my 20s. Wow. And then God brought revival to my church and calls me into vocational ministry out of that. Walked wow. away from that. You know, went to cemetery. I mean, seminary. <laughs> you know, and then... I met a, a crazy church planter there that planted a church in Denver in 1989 in a movie theater. Wow. And we tell these stories of reaching people that no one else was reaching. Yeah. And pioneering, you know, the yeah. way he did in starting that church. It just lit a fire in me. I, I knew that's what I was destined to do. Wow. I moved to Metro Atlanta, planted a church in 99, you know, with four people. It grew to almost 3,000. But I always felt like an executive trapped in a pastor's body. Sure. And I realized a lot of church planners are not wired that way. Like I love spreadsheets. Yeah. I probably need counseling for that. Yeah. I know you're the same way. Yeah. So yeah. You do today. So, and I realized a lot of church planners weren't wired that way. So we started coaching church planters back in 2001 when church yeah. planting was not cool. So I've been 
I've been coaching pastors now for 18 years. Wow. And it is sort of a John Maxwell type story. I realized at some point that I'm a good pastor, pretty good pastor, but I, but I'm actually a really good coach. Wow. And that led me to, you know, make a prayerful decision. Yeah. You know, to walk away from something great. Yeah. The possibility of something even greater. And that's how courage to lead was birthed. That's amazing. Um, now we're coaching leaders, you know, all over the world. We've got 19 coaches now all over the place. Unreal. I was made for this, man. I was made for wow. Well, a lot of people on Beyond the Call, they're at the very beginnings of the journey. Some are just considering starting planning a church. Some are right into it. Um, take back, I, I know your story has grew up to 3,000. Talk to me about some of those beginning days. You got fresh church planners listening to this podcast. What are some of the challenges you encouraged, encountered, and how would you encourage them to go through that? Yeah, so, I mean, we borrowed my dad's secondhand U-Haul trailer. You know, I hooked it to my truck. You know, in about the first three months, I hooked the trailer to my truck. Yeah. You know, at 5 a.m. in the morning, and I was part of the setup. Sure, the driver. Been there, done that. We didn't start, we, we couldn't afford a video projector, video screen. So the cafetorium had uh, 40 inch TVs inside of the cafetorium. I call it the cafetorium of the stage. So, so we ran RCA cables from the laptop, you know, up to the front TVs. Am I encouraging you yet? Yeah. You know? and, and that's how we started. We launched with 185 people and then it iced out the next two Sundays in Atlanta which has never happened before or since. You planted the next two weeks, you couldn't have service. Yeah, we launched to 185, could not meet the following two Sundays. And oh my gosh. People, 66 people showed up week three. Wow. And we just, that's, that's how we rolled, you know? And two years later, we're running 200. So yeah. if you want to talk about like, you know, some encouraging advice today. I think most church planters quit right before the harvest. Too many of them want to plant and harvest on the same day. Wow, that's good. My wife told me one time, she said, Sean, one of the most attractive things about you is you're too dumb to quit. Hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. I think, I think uh, you know, a lot of guys quit too early. Yeah. How did, how did you stir yourself up? Those first two years were incredibly difficult for us, and I wanted to quit every Monday. Yeah. But we didn't. And then year three, it was like, bam, bro. Wow. So, so what'd you do during those early days? You know, the Mondays came, uh, you went from 185, 66, couple snow days. It's rough there, right? You're plowing ground. Uh, we've got guys listening and gals listening to this right now that are going through that and they're right about to say, I've had it. What, what would you say about that? So it's actually something we coach still today. I'm not a big fan of scoreboard-oriented goals, and we never set an attendance goal or to break a growth barrier, whatever. I just realized that if we if, if things weren't meeting my expectations, I could blame our community. I could, I could I could you know I could blame the worship leader. Bless his heart. We blame the worship leader a lot. You know, I I, I there's a lot of things I I could get a victim mentality. I could throw a pity party, or I can just decide. You know what? I got to get better. Yeah, we got to get better. Yeah. And so we got the process has got to get better. I think most of us are waiting on Jesus to grow our church when he's waiting on us to get prepared for that. Growth. Wow. There's work he's got to do in us. There's processes, there's systems yeah. got to be put in place. Like So, so every time things didn't meet my expectations, I just realized, Hey, we're not ready for it yet. Mm -hmm. We just, so where do we need to get better? We just focused on getting better every day. We never really focused on getting bigger. We just focused on getting better. 
That's good. And, and as we got better, guess what began to happen? Yeah. People yeah. started to come and then stay because yeah. we were more prepared to steward it. Yeah. And so you had that breakthrough. You, Scott did some things in you. You broke through in year three. You ended up growing your church. And during that time, you became an author. How did that happen? You went from preaching just on stage to preaching on paper. How, what, what happened there? How, why did that come about? Well, it's, you know, obviously, I, I, I had been coaching for seven or eight years, you know, before I ever wrote. And I think a lot of guys write too early. Yeah. They break 500 in attendance. They're trying to write their first book. Sure. Which yet it's not going to be successful. No right. book has ever failed due to content. Right. They don't have the influence and platform to make it successful yet. So I've been coaching eight or nine years before I wrote my first book, and it really was a, a compilation of like 10 years of coaching. Wow. And, and uh, I was approached by a couple of publishers that said, hey, what you're teaching and coaching and speaking at these conferences on, like other people need to hear. Yeah. And so that sort of sparked the idea. And you and I have both written. You don't you don't get rich off books, man. That's right. So, so if you're out there listening today, yearning for that day when you're going to get rich off book sales and not have to rely on the on the church budget anymore, you know that's that's a a small fraction of one percent of people, yeah. you know, that have actually been able to make a really good living off book sales. So it's got to be something God puts in your heart. Yeah, you had a burning message for it. Now you've written three books, right? Yeah. And what are those three books again? So the first book I wrote was solely for pastors called The Measure of Our Success. Awesome. It was really in response to three or four friends of mine who had experienced moral failures and burnout. Mm-hmm. And I wanted pastors to stay sane, centered, and married. Yeah. And um, so we wrote that. It was really on the personal growth, personal leadership side of things. And then, you know, over the years, we've talked a lot about vision and being mean about the vision, not being yeah. mean, a mean pastor. I know some of those, but protecting the vision. So, so I, I was asked to, to write about that and put, right. put that coaching into book form. So that released in 2016. And then I felt called to expand the, some of the messaging of what I had coined to pastors back in 2008, 2009 to ministry and marketplace leaders across the board, all faith-based leaders. So re-edited the original, the measure of our success and it became measuring success yeah. earlier this year. You know, your path to significant satisfaction leading yourself to the next yeah. level for really all faith-based leaders. So now we've got pastors who are leading small groups on this with corporate men and women in their churches and talking yeah. about how we finish this race well. Yeah. Well, your books, you know, as a church planner, I got a hold of your first book and it gave me such permission. I saw so many people burning out measuring the wrong thing. I, and I remember thinking, I don't want to win at the wrong thing. I don't want to get this big deal over here and lose my family or lose my soul and all that. that. And your books really gave, a, gave some language to that and some permission to be healthy. You call it what? Sane, centered, and whole, right? Sane, centered, and married. And, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of all of those. Um, and obviously your books are catching because I looked at all the reviews. You got tons and tons of reviews on Amazon. And they're all five star. I mean, they're all, uh, it, it seems like the messaging is touching people. Why do you think that is? Well, you know, it's, we coach and teach, you know, out of our weaknesses. And I tell pastor all the time, when you preach on your own sin, you don't run out of material. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty authentic, you know, in the books. And I think my story, you know, there was a time in my vocational ministry, you know this, when I did get things out of soul. And I was tempted to measure success the wrong way. 
frankly, it was when my church was going better than it had gone before. Mm-hmm. And pride slipped in yeah. and things started moving so rapidly. I got caught up in all of that and yeah. I became a workaholic pastor. And thank God, I sort of asked my wife how things were going and she was honest enough to call me out. Yeah. And I repented and kind of won things back and we ran a healthy pace and rhythm the rest of our ministry. So I think people connect with that part of my teaching and coaching. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why today at Courage to Lead, like we don't have any full-time consultants. Yeah. Like all of our coaches are practitioners. Yeah. Because when, 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 you're, when you're smoking what you're selling, can I yeah. say that on, on the Start Church podcast? Yeah. Yeah. When, when, when you're in the trenches, when you've got the leadership scars, when you've battled workaholism, when ministry leadership has adversely affected your marriage, yeah, empathize with a leader who's yeah. struggling with that same thing. So let's talk about that. So a lot of church planners, again, you said you were struggling with that more um, success. There's some of that that happens when you're just trying to get there, right? Like I've seen guys tell their wife, hey, you're going to be a single parent for a year while I plant. And, she, you know, the spouse is like, what? Like, t- speak to that. There's guys and gals right now thinking of planting a church and they think they have to disassemble everything else in their life just to be a a successful church planner, but you would say something different, right? Yeah, I do think, I do think there's a piece of that, you know, that is true. I mean, I, it's like getting the space shuttle off the launch pad. I'm told that 70% of the fuel is used to get it off the pad. Yeah, sure. And, and, and so there is like, there, you, you can't do it at, you can't launch a church eight to five. Sure. Yeah. There's an all in factor for sure. At the same time, you have to, I, I tell guys, you have to have a daily finish line. Because yeah. work is never done. And ministry is never perfect. So just decide in advance, you know, that you're going to quit before the end of the day. I heard Craig Rochelle say not too long ago, he said, since I started the church, you know, I get up at about 4.30 or 5. My work day starts at 7. So I can quit at 4. Well, do the math. I mean, that's a nine-hour work day every yeah. day. You know yeah. what I'm saying? He's still putting in a lot of work. He's been doing that for a long time. So I'd rather rob my sleep and rob my family. I'd rather get up early in the morning have a, and have a daily finish line. And then, of That's course, it's biblical that we have a weekly finish yeah. line. There's yeah. the law of diminishing returns. And I went those first, you know, two and a half years, I, I probably violated the Sabbath more than any other command because mm. I, just, I just never felt good enough. Yeah, sure. And one of the biggest lies from hell I ever believed in ministry is when I get to here, I'll be happy. Yeah. And when I get to here, it'll be easier. Yeah. No, no, no. no. Yeah. It just becomes more complex and there's more personalities to manage and more zeros that you're responsible for. And it doesn't get easier. So if you're at a small stage, now is the best time to build the foundation for a healthy culture. And the great thing about you figuring it out as the lead planter is you then you then you have the moral authority yeah. to set the tone for all of your staff and hold them yeah. accountable. That's fantastic. So talk to me. So you went from being a, a church planner and a pastor, an author, and then you've been coaching for a long time. And then at some point you said, this is what I'm supposed to do full time. Talk to me about Courage to Lead. What's God doing there? And uh, why did you feel like that was the next phase of your life? Yeah. So one of my leaders, mentors, you know, during that process, Sam Chan said to me, he said, Sean, change is hard because we often overestimate the value of what we have and we underestimate what we might gain by giving. And that was the day I made the decision That's to wild. give up something that was so good, you know, for the potential of something even greater, you know, and four or five years later, like God's done it. 
I think some guys never plant because they're scared of giving up something good. You know, I think some guys leave too early, you know, because of that. And I think, frankly, some guys lead it to a certain level and they've done all they can do at their capacity. level. And I was reading the book Necessary Endings by Henry Cloud as part of this process. And he said it takes a self healthy, self-aware person to recognize it's time to leave before anyone else recognizes it. Yeah. So if I'm healthier than everybody else, I'm going to recognize it before everybody. Every pastor is an interim pastor. Yeah. You're going to leave. Yeah. The question is, are you going to leave when no one wants you to leave or everyone wants you to leave? Yeah, I want pastors to leave when no one wants them to leave. Yeah. That's what I want. Leave on your terms. And I got to leave when no one yeah, that's amazing. And you're getting joy now. So you're kind of scoped up a level and you're getting the joy of seeing the guys you're coaching and your, your coaches affect. Um, talk to me about some things you're seeing. Guys that are coached versus guys that are not coached. You know me, I'm a huge fan of coaching. I think everybody needs a coach and a counselor <laughs> in their life. Uh, what are you seeing? Talk to me about a story or two where you're seeing guys come in like this, they get some coaching, and they, they end up like this. And I'm not talking numbers as much as, you know, impact in their own life and their own ministry. I was just approached the other day by one of our early coaching clients, and he said, Sean, when I came to see you and got into coaching, like, you don't remember this, but we were stuck at 80 people. I was discouraged. Man, things were not good. And because of that, things were not good in my marriage. I wasn't a good dad. You know, just I was just – I was just an angry, discouraged, disillusioned pastor. And we gave him some tools. We gave him some permission. We challenged him to make some drastic changes. And he did. And today they're running a thousand people. And it's like, you know, just, he just needed a little, a little bit, just a little bit. We're, we're not off as far as we think we are. Yeah. And the good news is our preaching doesn't have to get a lot better. The music yeah. doesn't have to get a lot better. There's a lot of other things blocking and tackling it is an art and a science and i, I think we blame too much on the holy spirit yeah. you know and i i think there's some leadership tools that god has made available to us that come out of his word yeah. that can help us scale if you will and continue to break growth barriers if we'll make ourselves humble and teachable and coachable stop yeah. defending what's not working a big mistake i see you know pastors make what does that look like, defending what they're, what's not working? Talk me through that. We'll have a pastor come to see us, and I'll ask him, well, how long, how long are you preaching, man? And he's like, well, about 45 or 50 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, I say, dude, that's too long. That's too long. You know, you need, you're not that good. <laughs> you need to shorten that puppy down to about 30, 35 minutes. And I've literally had guys look at me and say, you don't understand, but I'm good. That's yeah. my view. And I'm like, dude. If you were that good, your church would be growing. Yeah, I know some guys that can preach 45, 50 minutes, and their churches are growing because of it. But you're defending what's not working. Wow, yeah. So don't defend your small group philosophy that's not working. Don't defend your evangelistic strategy that's not working. Don't defend your preaching that's not working. We've got to be willing to make hardware changes. Why, Why aren't most churches growing? Yeah. The answer is simple. They've chosen not to. Wow. They will not have the conversations they need to have. Yeah. Make the decisions they need to make wow. to break through. And to yeah. me, that's one of the great values of coaching is that it gives you permission. Right. With a senior leader yesterday, large church up in Boston. And I just said to him, hey, your executive pastor is the issue. 
I love you, but that's the issue. Yeah. And he said to me, gosh, I've known that deep down for a long time. Yeah. Wow. So you that, yeah. I just had to give him permission. You know yeah. what I'm saying? To realize, wow, I do not have the right leader at my right hand. And we're yeah. going to have to walk him through how to potentially make a change there and move yeah. that person to another seat on the bus or as Patrick Lencioni calls it, manage them off the team, you yeah. know, and, and they, they could be one decision like that away from actually seeing new growth in and new. Growth. Yeah. So what coaching is doing is allowing them to have the benefit of outside perspective. We do that a lot when we're, we're talking with, with churches and we're looking at their, at their setup of their foundational documents and realize, Oh my gosh, you downloaded your bylaws from some Google site, you know, and, your board has no structure. You have no board meeting minutes. We come in and see some simple things that can begin to tweak their, you know, their 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 compliance side. You got a, a chapter in your book about quitting. Uh, when we feel like, you know, feel like quitting. There's other people, not only church planners on here, but people that are listening to this and they're just right at that edge. Give them one thing uh, you'd say to them right now because you're living in. You've seen it. You've pushed through. You saw the fruit. There's a guy right now said, I'm going to listen to this podcast. If it's not going to go, you know, well, I'm, I'm quitting my ministry. What's something you'd say to him? Well, if you, if, you, if you remember that part of the chapter, I said, you might be feeling the need to quit because you need to quit. I think one of the things that allowed me to step away is that my identity was never entwined with the title. Yeah. Senior pastor. Yeah, that's good. I, I'm Sean Lovejoy, who happened to be a senior pastor for a season. Yeah. And I think sometimes we hold on too long. Yeah. Especially as men, we equate our identity with our title sure. in the church as well. And so I, I'm, I might not need to quit. I might need to quit. Yeah. Thus, once again, the value of outside perspective. Yeah. So say if you're there today, don't sit out there on an island. The number one mistake I see pastors make is isolation. Yeah. And they sit out there by themselves with a journal and a Bible. Yeah. They light a candle and they pray and ask God to speak to them, tell them if they should hold on another year or not. Yeah. And I would just say that I believe that God made the church, the big church, big C yeah. church, because we need each other. Yeah. And all these tools and resources like you and me out there that would love to talk a pastor off the ledge today, yeah. you know, and help them stay in the game. Or we've helped a lot of pastors transition their church. And that's healthy. I mean, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people don't realize that there is life after, you know, I know in my role, I planted a church and then I got to a place where I was feeling, ah, should I quit? I just was feeling like, the, and I realized it wasn't quitting. My time was up. And I had a counselor sit across the table from me, a coach and say, what if you give yourself permission to, you've run your race? And it was like a planet came off my shoulders. And I said, I think you're right. We've handed that church over to somebody. The church has doubled. They've done well. I'm doing well, like it was the Lord. Uh, and, it, and it wasn't quitting, it was moving into the next chapter of life. And I just needed somebody to give me permission to say, hey, dude, you think you've run your race? I well remember done. my wife asking me, Nathan, she said, what, what, if, what, if our, what if our successor like runs this thing in the ground? Yeah. And I, I had to think a little bit about that. You know, sure. that's like worst case scenario. Sure. But I felt like God speak to me and say to me, well, it's not, that's not your responsibility. Yeah. Like it's not your church. Absolutely. Like that sign out at the highway, yeah. that's a logo and an ego. That's not yeah. the church. The church is people. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter. Let's say worst case scenario, you have to close down that church plant. Yeah. 
hand the keys to the building somewhere else. The church hasn't died. Yeah. If you've seen people come people. to Christ, marriage is restored. People yeah. heal from addiction. Like nobody can take that away. The gates yeah. of hell can't prevail against that. And those people will go to another church, yeah. church, and they'll be discipled and they'll grow and they'll learn things there and whatever. The church, the big C church is what Jesus promised. Yeah. Go on forever. Not my little C church. Yeah, that's great. His big C church. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I, it's, it's way bigger than me. The yeah, church doesn't belong to me. It belongs to Jesus. I yeah. cannot hold on to what belongs to him. Yeah. The moment I try to put that yak yoke on myself, I'm going to wear myself out. Yeah. That's why Jesus said, come to me, take my yoke, take my burden, take my expectations on you because I've not put that on you. Yeah. Our responsibility is to steward it well from the first day we get there until the day we leave. Do that. Yeah. You know what we got, and we're yeah. gonna make mistakes. You know, God, I was an imperfect pastor. You know, but Jesus died on the cross for my sin too. It's okay. I don't. I don't have to be perfect. That's great. I don't have to do it perfectly. Yeah. You know, to hear Him say, "Well done, thou good and faithful." Yes. Yeah. That's what He's looking for. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. If you're joining us today on Beyond the Call, you had one of the best interviews today. We got uh, Pastor Sean Lovejoy here. Pastor, we're so glad that you joined us today. Obviously, you're a friend of Star Church. And um, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do it? CourageToLead.com. It's everything we got there. There's all kinds of free content and messaging on there. And obviously, we'd love to be their coach and coach them through what keeps them awake at night. That's great. And and you have uh, something you do for church planners, coaching uh, level. Talk to us about that. So we can work for... The, the smallest church planter, we work with churches 30 in attendance. Wow, that's you know, great. As well as those over 10,000 in attendance. Well, we always encourage everybody needs a coach. One of the things we want to do is get them on a strong foundation and get them hooked up with a tribe that can help them fulfill their dreams. So, hey, thanks for your, what you're doing for the body of Christ. Thanks for being on uh, Beyond the Call today, too. Thank you, ma'am. See you, my friend. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Call, brought to you by Start Church. If you have any questions about what you've heard today, please give us a call at 844-641-5718 or visit our website at startchurch.com. We hope you'll join us for the next episode of Start Church Beyond the Call. Start Church has helped thousands of churches and ministries protect what God has given them to lead. Check out our website at startchurch.com or feel free to call at 844-641-5718. We would be honored to serve you.